Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Drum roll, please, as he undoes the cork. Oh, I should have brought noisemakers. If I was at home, I would have... New Year's Eve 2014, ladies and gentlemen, your RV navigator... Isn't it 2013? 2013? New Year's Eve 2013? Yes. It's New Year's Eve 2014? No, it's still 2013. Okay, well, here it comes. We're going to celebrate it regardless. Whatever year it is. Whatever year it is, we celebrate with our listeners... Happy New Year! Whoa! Whoa, that was quite a... That was a good one. That was a very good one. It's because it's been shaking down the road for the last five days. (laughs) Ooh. In our fancy plastic champagne glasses. In the fancy RV. So, dear listeners, we raise a glass to you. Another incoherent podcast. Last month we had had jet lag. And this month... We're going to be drunk. Well, I don't say that, but we are having champagne. You can handle one little glass of champagne, can't you? No problem. So, here we go. We clink our glasses to our our successful past year, and best wishes for the new year. Cheers, dear listeners. So, dear listeners, we are sharing our New Year's Eve with you, as we have for a number of years. Aren't they lucky? In a campground. Because we are such party animals that we'd rather spend our time with you drinking champagne. We'll clink our glasses to that. And um, have a year in review. And we'll have to listen to the end of this to see if it's coherent. Because we are enjoying our champagne. Just like last month we told you we were incoherent because Because we had jet lag having just returned from India. And we talked an awful lot about India, and we were kind of feeling badly about that because it had nothing to do with RVing, but it was uppermost on our minds. But now we are in Tucson, Arizona. Five days drive, four and a half days drive from home. Worth it. Worth it. We were here last year, and uh, we stayed for six weeks, which is the longest we've ever stayed anywhere, and we left feeling that we hadn't done it all. And um, we really liked this location because it's a big city location. We're comfortable with the culture and movies and shopping opportunities, restaurants yes. that are nearby, and the fact that opportunities to enjoy nature, which to us is a very unique kind of nature, is also nearby, and you don't have to drive for an hour to do anything that you want to do. Yay, Tucson. And so we thought we'd come back and finish what we didn't do last but time. But of course the question is, it's an extra day's drive from us going to Texas or Florida. 1,700 miles as opposed to 1,200 miles. And lots more gas was purchased. So is it worth it to drive all the way out here? And we get, uh, in round numbers, it's 50 cents a mile, 43 point something cents a mile to drive out here for the fuel alone. And so I have to ask if it's worth it to drive out here. And uh, we checked when we ch- when we came up to the our, to this RV park. We checked to see uh, what the what the, was the rates if you rented a park model park model, which they do rent, which is nice. This is a large park over well over a thousand sites, and lots of park models. About half RVs and half 
park models and to rent a park model for a month in the winter season is over two thousand dollars and we are paying six fifty. Big difference. You Big can buy di- a lot of gas. Well, we did, <laughs> and we're going to be here for four months. So the eight hundred dollars. We're going to be here for four months. Well, we're going to be in the area out west. Mm. So <clears throat> our amortization of the cost of the fuel can be spread out over four months. So uh, we feel that the RV provides us with good value. Last year, when we were out here, we connected with a friend from home mm. who rented um, a house or a condo. I'm not sure exactly what they were living in. Um, I don't know exactly what they paid they're out here again i should be nosy and ask them but even if the money wasn't a big difference i felt like we had all of our equipment with us Uh, we cooked some dinners together and they were always here in our motorhome instead of in their rental property because we had the right dishes and the right utensils and we had all of our stuff and i was responsible for fixing all of our stuff you've been busy i've been busy the we put the antenna up and the wire broke how convenient to the no over the air TV no over the air TV. So I bought a little flat panel antenna, and it's been it's working pretty good now that we're we're here for two months. We came up, and we were going to stay just six weeks. But for a few pennies the, more, for they few, talked us into staying. So for this two is going to be a long stay. So if you are out in this area, uh, come and see us. We have really no plans uh, for this whole winter. And if we're still having fun, we'll stay the whole two months. Right. And where we go after the two months is over, we don't know. We just <clears> haven't decided yet. And it's nice to have this flexibility. And that's what the motorhome does for us. It makes us uh, able to just kind of go where the wind blows, as the saying goes. And people have told us in this neck of the woods that February is the busiest month of all. So I'm assuming that if we're ready to move at the end of February that we can find somewhere besides Walmart But to let's stay. say why the real reason why is that you want to stay. What's the real reason you want to stay in February? Because you want to go to the Valentine's Dance. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to leave on the 12th. On the 12th, yeah. Oh, we have to stay through the 14th because I want to go to the Valentine's Dance. We're missing the New Year's Eve dance. We are. Do you, you're going to dance? I'm kind of obligated to, aren't I? I mean, oh, good. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, good. We have it on tape. The RV Navigators will be dancing at the Valentine's Day dance. Okay. Okay. So will it be an exciting adventure? I was surprised when you told me that you've been getting emails from some of our listeners who not only appreciated what we had to say about India, but actually wanted to know more. Uh, yeah, several people have emailed me, and I tried to respond. And I've they commented how much they enjoyed the podcasts from India. And I said, well, we're glad, but it wasn't very much about RVing. And I felt kind of bad about that because this is called the RV Navigator. And so I said, you know, we try to maintain the topic at least. As much as we can. <laughs> But when in the you're, last two months, but we when really you're in couldn't. India, there's not much else you could talk about because we found out that there was no RVing in India, absolutely none. So, I said, uh, you know, we are glad to be done with that. Although we have lots more to say, and people wrote back and said, "Well, why don't you talk a little bit more about India?" Maybe you talk should talk more about India. Maybe you should show them some of the fifteen thousand photographs that we took. Well, we've now completed a slideshow, which I put into a movie, and it will be up uh, ready for viewing if anybody wants to see the video. Cool. Which has some of the slides in it, and of course, we have them up and 
various other places. But we do have lots of nice pictures from India because it was a very colorful country. I feel kind of compelled to defend India. As we prepared to go on this trip, numerous friends and acquaintances asked us, Very much so. What are you thinking? This is Dirty, a, squalor. a huge country that's filthy, that's bug-ridden. You're going to have to get inoculations Shots to go there. You're the going to have to buy a visa to go there. All these things were true. And they... <laughs> They tried to get us to question why we made the decision to go. And and I've given that a lot of thought, not only while we are on the trip, but now that we're home again, because people are still asking us that question. And to me, of all the places that we've been lucky enough to go in this world, um, India was by far the least like the United States. It's not a satellite of the U.S., The least sure. interested in the United States, yes. the least affected by the United States, and that made it refreshingly different. And when you you've always lived in the United States and you haven't gone abroad, you kind of take for granted the way we do things, our approach to life, our culture, and when you go to a country where everybody is doing things in such a different way, it really makes you stop and question whether your way is the right way, if there is a right way, um, and how people are living their lives. And one thing that certainly struck us (laughs) repeatedly while we were in India is the way people drive there. It was telling that when we landed in New Delhi, there were no rental car counters because no one in their right mind would ever rent a car and drive in India. And here you've just spent four and a half days driving, driving in the United States. 1,700 miles. I didn't see one cow in the road. Nobody honked their horn nobody, at you? Very, no, nobody honked their horns at me. I didn't see anybody using cruise control in India. And you stayed in your lane and I they stayed, stayed in, in their lane. Yes, I saw that. And just as we're leaving the RV park here, there is a divided middle section. And I said, oh, well, in India, people would just kind of go the wrong way around the the divider in the middle and go off on their on their merry way. And of course what we do when the divided highway was there, we went down around several blocks, made a left turn or made a U-turn at the intersection. Did everything in the legal American way. Did everything in the right. But and, and yet, even though in India the driving seemed just chaotic to, to us, us yes. um, people have all different sizes of vehicles. It's not uniform like it is here where everybody's in a car or a truck. So you're dealing with bicycles, you're dealing with pedicabs, you're dealing with motorcycles, um, an occasional car. A lot of buses, a lot of trucks. Everybody is a different size, and the strategy there is if there's an open spot that you fit into, you should take it. And yet this very aggressive approach to life uh, worked very well for them. We didn't see any accidents. I'm sure there are some, just as there are here. Um, It was just a different way to approach the road. Right. Very, uh, let's make our own rules and make it work among us. And no road rage, which was uh, very impressive to us. When you go to India, you either go to the south or the north. India is a fairly large geographic area, and we went on actually two tours, one of the south and one of the north. And most of the people who go to India go to the Taj Mahal, and they go to the Ganges, and they go to some of the temples in the north, and they go to Delhi, which is in the north. So they do that kind of circle route for a couple of weeks, and they miss some of the best parts of India. So if you know about India at all and you've seen pictures of places you should see, they were probably in the north. Our tour in the south went basically from Chennai over to Cochin and then up to Bangalore. And that was a very interesting trip because there's not really a lot of stuff to see in terms of sightseeing, but there are the people to see. And that's the exciting part about going to India. Their dress, their customs, 
everything about the Indian lifestyle is very different than it is in the United States. To our standard, they live in a fairly backward way. Do everything uh, manually. Do everything manually, but it is a fascinating way to live. And the people seemed incredibly happy, I would say, more yes. than I think Americans are happy as a group. Yes, right. And and very warm and friendly and open and loving to each very other and to us. Very interested in us and what we were what we were thinking, if and they there, could speak English. And perhaps because the South isn't overrun with tourists, no. I felt far more appreciated there than I have in other typical tourist right. places. They, had, they had just plain curiosity about us, even though they couldn't talk to us very well. One of the things we found is that India doesn't have a lot of English. English, which was a surprise to us. Um, we would see signs <laughs> that if there was not an English translation, we would have no clue as to what the sign said because the they don't language, use our alphabet. They don't use our alphabet, and it's an entirely different alphabet. Just like the Russians don't use our alphabet, but you can kind of sound out the letters if you know what they are. But in <laughs> you couldn't sound anything out. And our guides spoke at least three languages uh, in addition to English, and they would switch between them, and I couldn't hear the difference. Because the language you spoke in one state wasn't right. very useful to you when you went to the next state. Right. It's a challenge. So the southern people are uh, a, a bit different because they are the pure ethnic Indians, whereas in the north there are a lot of uh, immigrants. <laughs> well, and a lot of mixture Sounds of like gene pools in. as invaders right. kept moving in and out of the country. And the men wear the sari skirts. They had a different name, but they I already forgot. Name, but you know my name, what I mean. And uh, so it's it's much more rural feeling. We stopped and saw people drying liquid water for salt and taking the salt out of it and collecting it and collecting manure for firewood. Drying cow patties. Drying to make cow patties. And washing clothes in the river. And Next to the dishes they were also washing in the right. river. We happened upon a wedding ceremony, which was very interesting. Our guide was not even sure what kind of a ceremony it was. And we have the, the option to just stop the bus, park it on the side. And he says, everybody get out. Let's, let's watch this ceremony as it's taking place on the side of the road. They were headed to a temple uh, to perform the wedding ceremony and it was uh, the families and they were all dressed up and costumes and food and music and makeup and masks and we were there taking pictures and joining and, right in and, and very welcome very welcome they were just <laughs> just unbelievable if somebody crashed your wedding in the United States you wouldn't be overly excited I don't think unless they were a celebrity of some sort and and that was really true for all the, the major life events um, we went to Varanasi, which is um, a fairly religious city on the Ganges where every Indian worth his salt wants to go at least once in his life to bathe in it uh, for the spiritual benefits. And anybody who lives remotely in that area um, who dies is also brought to, to Varanasi to be cremated. And when I watched these fires burning on the hillside as, as the bodies were, were being disposed of, it struck me how personal the, the ceremony was. It wasn't just a funeral director that you were giving money to or a minister who was saying words about you even though you only probably went to church on Easter and he didn't really know who you were in the first place. Um, here it was family members bringing the body to Varanasi on their roof of their vehicle. And you'd see them driving th down the road with the body on top. How many kilos of wood? 300 kilos. kilos. That's of, over 600 of firewood pounds of firewood to, to burn the, the body. Pyre. And, and they would be there and stack up the wood and put their loved one between the, the 
wood pieces and stand there and and really bid their loved one a very personal goodbye. It was creepy and sad. And, and the awesome. understanding from our point of view was that uh, the body is just a vessel for the soul, and the soul leaves the body, and the body is no longer used. So getting rid of the body is no really big deal. It's a sad ceremony, but... The soul is still alive someplace else and will be and we'll brought come back. back. We'll come back someplace else. Uh, and that's <laughs> a very, a very again, different Again, a very different approach to life. Yeah. And, I mean, these bodies are burned within hours of death. And so you see, driving through the, <laughs> through the street, the body on top of a car or on top of a truck uh, on the way to the Ganges to be burned. So it's, it's a whole different ceremony. And then half a mile upstream... People are bathing in the Ganges. Bathing in the Ganges as a religious pilgrimage. And if you had friends and neighbors who couldn't come to the Ganges, people brought big water containers and brought water home to give to their friends and neighbors who weren't lucky enough to be there. It reminded me a little it's bit of Lourdes when we went there and very in much, France. Yes, very much. Uh, that it's a very sacred religious time for you to make your once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to the Ganges. It's just hard for us to believe. And, of course, we were there, and we didn't bathe in it and didn't participate, and I felt kind of like we should be doing something. These people had waited their whole lives, and they were taking water back. And, of course, it's the filthiest water you've ever seen. Um, it's not the clean, sparkling water that you might expect from a spring or something. It's you know just a, a, a river that's used for all sorts of purposes. But it's a very sacred place, and people come, and they are there every day bathing, and then there are ceremonies at night, uh, celebratory ceremonies as opposed to the ones that are just downstream where, where, people, have died. where people have died. So very the juxtaposition of this stuff is, is just hard for us to understand. Another thing that was very hard to understand was the Hindu faith. Um, uh, when our guide told us that there were 30,000 Hindu gods, I just kind of mentally gave up and thought, there's no way I'm ever going to understand this. And when we went into the Hindu temples, they were, again, totally unlike our places of worship. Yes. There were some priestly, religious, leaderly kind of people in the temples at times, but they didn't really seem to be in charge. And a lot, of, again, a lot of the worship activities that people indulged in were personal, uh, were what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. It wasn't like you went to some kind of a performance where somebody in front of you gave you communion or a blessing or, or anything like that. Uh, people were doing their own thing, very different from, from how Westerners typically worship. Yes. So India is a very interesting place if you have an opportunity to visit. I think you wouldn't want to go in the summertime because it's very hot. Uh, it was very hot even when we were there in the south, very hot and humid, whereas the north was quite pleasant in like November. Like here in Arizona. If you have an opportunity to visit and you don't mind an 8- a 16-hour flight, it's nice that you can fly directly from Chicago and New York and some other cities in the U.S. directly to Delhi. Don't let your friends talk you out of it. Don't let your friends talk you out of it. And if you need ammunition, talk to us, right? <laughs> So, on to some RV stuff, huh? Okay, it's okay. time. Yes. As a result of some research, I have bought uh, 900 megahertz thermometers. Everybody has a wireless thermometer in their RV, and if we found out that if you have uh, the tire pressure... Tire pressure one of our listeners told you this. Yes, they did. And, and we thank I, him very much. And I have since... Why don't you look and see what the brand name is? No, on the thermometer. <laughs> 
We have since bought 900 megahertz wireless thermometers for the inside of our V, and they are LaCrosse brand. And if you buy the LaCrosse brand, they have a, a 900 megahertz wireless one. So if you are getting irregular responses from your tire pressure sensing me- mechanisms, you might want to take a look at these wireless thermometers. So you think it solved the problem? No, I don't know yet because You're I still beeping. It's been, it was so cold that I didn't have a chance to take the older okay. sensors out. Okay, I've so this is a topic to be to be dealt with once. Yes, but well, my point is is that I found the 900 megahertz thermometers and I bought them. And we have bought as a Christmas present. I often get technology gifts that I didn't really know that I wanted, and I haven't really put it to use yet. Yes, but but you're it, de- it definitely about looks this. interesting. She is definitely excited. Um, and Ken has See, purchased. I have, to, I have to buy her technology so that I can buy me technology, well, which she won't do. Well, I would have no so idea. Has, what this to is buy to make her. her feel like she's part of the program. I see. <laughs> So on Tuesday, when you cook dinner again, because you do once a week on Tuesday cook dinner, uh, you might want to try out the new induction cooktop you bought me. Oh, that's a really good idea. It was on sale at Amazon. Yeah. Amazon Prime was wonderful, so it came in two days. This is an induction cooktop. Two things I wrestle with when I cook here in the motorhome is that I have nice counter space until I lift up the counter to expose (laughs) the burners where I have to cook. And all of a sudden, my counter space is gone. This is true for most rigs. And then when I'm cooking something like spaghetti, where I want to boil large quantities of water, it never comes to a boil because the burners are too small. Yes. So this induction cooktop... And and as was pointed out in the... If you click on the link that we are providing on the webpage, you'll find a comparison between electric cooktops and induction cooktops. And to me, it's quite interesting. And why would you have an electric cooktop? Well, if you have an all-electric coach, which is a very popular option these days, and one which regular listeners know is not, we don't think is a very good idea. But if you have a residential fridge and and an electric cooktop, that means the need for 240 volts to run the cooktop. So that means you have to start your generator, and it's also extremely slow. And what this video does, this YouTube video, is is that they take a 110 volt induction cooktop which for like the $50 one that we bought and they have the coaches uh, electric stovetop and they put a quantity of water on both and see how long it takes to boil the water it's like the tortoise and the hare we find out that the induction cooktop is twice as fast, if not it more. uses much less power. And it's cool. So as soon as you take the pan off, the, the cooktop is not hot at all. Which was, is good if you're camping in the summer when you don't want to generate a lot of heat. Well, and you, you can use RV. the cooktop then right away for something else. <clears throat> because it's To me, a big disadvantage of this induction cooktop is it doesn't use the normal pots and pans. You have to have a pan that has... Iron in it. Iron in it. But that's easily available. All of your pans, and they would just be... They would just be iron. So now you need to buy me all new cookware. Well, we have to see how this works. Oh, okay. That'll be next Christmas's presents. Okay. (laughs) Maybe. So if you're looking to cook uh, efficiently without propane and in a cool way, then you might want to take a look at the the induction cooker. And it's also nice that you can set the temperature of something. So if you just want to kind of simmer it, It'll, you can set it for 180 degrees, and it'll hold it right at 180 degrees. And it was very quickly responsive. Very responsive, right. 
And is it faster than propane? It's faster than our propane yeah, by yeah, quite a lot, yeah. I would say. And we're not used to cooking on electric either. I think electric isn't very responsive the way gas burners are. One of our listeners asked us about uh, caravan experiences and which companies we recommend. As you guys probably know, we have been on a quite a few car- Well, let's see. We've been on quite a few caravans. No, we've been on three. Caravans, or there are two and, types of, of group RVing experiences: caravans and rallies. And the same companies usually do both. Right. We did New Orleans. We did uh, the Mardi Gras, which was two weeks of, of a rally. We didn't move. We stayed in the same campground the whole time. Uh oh. It's New Year's Eve. It's the fireworks are going on. Yes, indeed. We did the Albuquerque Balloon Rally uh, with with a, a caravan company. Right. Uh, we did a NASCAR yes. rally with a company. Um, and then we've done some traveling ones. But we've never done a traveling one in the United States because our general feeling is if we can drive it and do it ourselves, we will. But we did the piggyback caravan. Copper Canyon, yeah. and then we did the Yucatan in and Mexico. And then we did a caravan in South Africa. Uh, and then we did the caravan in South Africa. With, with also right. with the company. Um, there have been a kind of a... a, a Some of the companies we used are no longer or, in yeah, business. So the there's 2000. been kind of a fluctuation of the companies. But I think the companies that are still in business, Fantasy and Adventure, are, are good companies, and they provide value for the dollar. If that is something that you want, and they both have decent websites, so you can go yeah. online and, and, and look they have, at them and compare to me, the they trips. Have a huge selection of, yeah. of choices. Yeah. I've been surprised. I'm surprised they get people to fill it. There are so many. A lot it, of people like to go in groups. With that said, we have now signed up for one for, for the, the Maritimes. For the Maritimes, and when we first signed up, we were signed up. We were going to go next summer, but it was fall. <laughs> A year in advance, which is really a surprise to us. So we're going with the other company. And, and why are we going on a caravan to a place we can drive to on our own? It's nice to meet people and to to interact and to have kind of a community experience. And this trip also has some logistical yes. arrangements that while we could do them ourselves, we're a little bit lazy and we'd rather let the professionals do it. And that it goes to Newfoundland and Labrador. Right. It involves some fairly lengthy ferry rides, some with your rig, some without. Right. It, it sounded like it was getting kind of complicated and conceivably they might get a better group price, although overall I think you can go more cheaply on your own. Right, and they do things on this type of a tour which you cannot do yourself, and that's the thing. The Mardi Gras one in particular uh, was very inclusive, and they, they we did things you could never, you, well, it would be very hard to do just on your own. So that's one of the things to look at is, what are the activities that are, that are involved, and can you do the same activities by yourself. And pay close attention you know when you're just armchair shopping and you see that it goes to so darn many places and they all sound great and you want to go see them all um, you can really drive yourself ragged going from one place to another. Um, The pace of some of these caravan trips is pretty intense. And frankly they're a little expensive. We would do more if they were less expensive. But you're spending probably close to $300 a day and that doesn't include gas and food. (laughs) It includes some many meals, meals, some meals, but not not even half yeah. the meals. And some are like potlucky kind of things. Yeah, too. and 
that's that's a fairly hefty amount to be paying. It includes your campground fees, and it includes guides. entrances and guides. Sometimes and, and you, they take bus tours, uh-huh. which is another nice thing. And or the bus boat, comes right to the campground. Or and boat picture. rides. Boat rides, right. And so, certainly it takes you to activities you might not know about on your own. For example, when we were in the Baja of California and Mexico, we went on a boat ride where we were able to pet mother whales and their babies yes. that were bobbing around our robot boat. Yeah. It's an experience I will never forget. forget right. I've never heard of it before. And you Con- wouldn't have done it. Conceivably, if you spoke Spanish, you could figure out how to do that on right. your own. But And now they feature it. That was a real wow experience. And many people do caravans to Alaska because they're worried about breaking down and being all alone somewhere in the Yukon or somewhere. Um, you all know that we did it by ourselves and we didn't have any trouble, but it might give you some peace of mind. If you are on a specific schedule and you want to make sure that you complete the the entire itinerary on that schedule, then probably a, a caravan is a good way to go. When we went to Alaska, I would never, I wouldn't, wouldn't do it with a caravan because we wanted to have the flexibility of if the weather's bad, we want to stay here. Like we stayed in Valdez for nine days. And you know, we took our time. We wanted to spend more time than what the caravan took, and we wanted to do it as as we felt uh, we wanted to to do it. We took the risk that we might break down on the road and have some issues before someone would rescue us and right. it was worth it absolutely i would recommend us. alaska right on your own but have we heard of any caravan companies that are not reputable or i don't really know but i'd like to hear if somebody yeah, has some yeah. good advice and for certainly us. we've made some good rv friends yes. that are from other parts of the country that we right. see infrequently but when you travel with somebody for six weeks in that kind of a uh, setting you can really form some good friendships and that can be nice in that sometimes you and i get tired of talking to each other and not to anybody else Okay. Now, I know that many of you have decided, or maybe you got for Christmas, a phantom quadcopter. Oh, really? (laughs) As a result of hearing about it on the RV Navigator. You do take some great photos. It is fabulous. And I've been very happy with it until we had uh, something of a crash. But uh, it still flies, and I've got it back together. But what's very cool is is that they have come out with a brand new one, so don't buy the old one. It's always like this. No, no, no. But this is very nice. This is called the Phantom Vision quadcopter, and it includes the camera and a 25-minute battery, which is also very cool. Mine gets about six and a half or seven minutes. Which is a little a short. A little short. And you're never quite sure if it's going to uh, quit in you, in, on you. Mid-air. Mid-air. So the new one has many big advantages, including a iPhone app that shows you all of the flight parameters, the the altitude, the direction you're pointing. It allows you to aim the camera. Because one of the big problems I have right now is is that I'm using it with a GoPro, and you start the GoPro when you when you launch, and then it just takes pictures uh, every second or whatever you have it set for for the duration of the flight. And so I come back with. 1,500, 2,000 pictures, and that's a lot to go through. And half of them are not because they're pictures of the grass or your feet. Right, right. So with this one, when you launch it, you can switch between still and movie. That's nice. Which and you can aim it when when it's in the sky. You can because you can see in real time what the camera's taking, and it takes uh, 14 megabyte raw f- pictures plus uh, high definition video. So I'm looking forward to a big Christmas. Christmas is over. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ordered this already? No. 
<laughs> I'm waiting for the credit cards to clear. <laughs> the after Christmas sales. The after Christmas sales, right. No oven, no problem when traveling. Now, this is going to be good for me. I'm always interested in baking in my RV. You are. Aren't I? No, you don't cook hardly at all, only on Tuesday. <laughs> but you have had trouble with baking. Well, the, the issue is not that it's in an RV. It's that if you only have a microwave to bake in. But microwaves, we have very many good muffins. Microwaves are not good to bake in, whether they're in your house or in your mm. RV, because they don't they don't handle the dough properly. They don't brown it. Um, what I've gone to in our RV is I bought a cheap toaster oven at Walmart. But and, this lady has done it much better. And I make No small, oven, no problem quantities of like muffins and stuff in a toaster oven and they come out just fine and she makes muffins in a a coffee cup and she says they come out great no she did not did you read that recipe article carefully she said she tried it and she tried a number of different recipes and she finally found one that worked out pretty well for her and she was also concerned because some of the recipes they recommend to make the dough moist um, you have to add a lot of oil and it really makes it fattening empty calories so she was experimenting mm. around with different kinds of recipes and the cup had nothing to do with it read the article we'll give you the link <laughs> but Wait. if you've had some success baking in a microwave let me know um, I like my microwave, but I'm planning not. on success. That's always a good goal to have. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not very successful, huh? Okay, now a little t- back to technology. Much more interesting. I, I try to bake, but you know that's just not my thing. I found this interesting chart which compares the speed of computers. I know this has nothing to do with anything, but it is. It's just plain interesting. I'm going to put this on the web page uh, for this month. So we take some sort of standard Com- set of calculations. Computational problem. An Apple II would take six days to do the calculation. To figure out the answer. An IBM PC would take 51 hours. A fast desktop computer, circa 2005, would take six seconds. So we're down from six days to six seconds. A fast desktop computer in 2010 would take one second. A human would take 78,000 years. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> to do the same calculation. So if you, anybody wants to compare humans to computers, this is the way to do it. Uh, we do ha- did have an interesting e- reader email. This is a problem which many travel fifth trailer and fifth wheel people, people encounter, and that's the decals on the side. They look very faded. nice when you first buy the coach, but they don't last very well. The sun damages them. They peel. Um, half of them come off. Half of them change color, and they look kind of shoddy after a while. What to do? Laura and I are regular RVN podcast listeners, and we appreciate your work. Thank you. We thought we would drop you a line with news of that our recent RV graphics removal project is done. The vinyl graphics on our rig had were faded, cracked, and peeling, so it was time for action. Now we have a simple, clean, and waxed white fiberglass look that matches our truck. We made a video that documented the process. Enjoy. Hopefully this will help others contemplating a similar project. And of course, I will put the link on the webpage for you to look at. If you think your listeners might be interested, please feel free to share. And of course, we be happy to answer questions and i'll include their email too isn't it also possible to buy new decals and replace them if you yeah, want to white is a little stark looking i've to seen me, them in elkhart sometimes in the yeah but you probably wouldn't be able to get ones that were match. exactly right. you, know, you know it depends on the length and stuff 
and you'd have to like them. Now, I think Howard and Linda had theirs painted. Mm-hmm. They so took that's, the decals they off. They took and, the decals and off and had their rig painted. But that adds a lot more money. And a it's, lot more. And it's strictly cosmetics. Hmm, I should look at their their rig again. I haven't followed that for a while. That's Howard and Linda at uh, rv-dreams.com. Mm-hmm. So they've done something similar, and uh, you might want to take a look at that also. If that's and you're, and you're reminding me that we have a project ahead of us as well this winter. You've heard us complain about our diamond shield that is on the front of our motorhome, yes, and how it's cracked and ugly looking, and how we saw some rigs from the southeastern U.S. that had mold growing under the oh, diamond shield. Yes, we talked about this at length. And so while we are here in let Tucson, me have some champagne, will you? While we are here in Tucson, it's our intention to at least start removing. Moving our diamond shield ourselves. Not start. It's going to be done. We'll see so how far really we get, bad. and we'll see what it looks like. To be continued. It's our New Year's resolution. It is. Okay. Oh, we need it. With only a few minutes left, we need a resolution. Do you have any more resolutions for me? Not that I'm going to share with the public. Really? <laughs> well, let's turn the podcast off here, ladies and gentlemen. i got to hear what these are. <laughs> Give the lady some more champagne. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Ooh, I'm getting hot just thinking about it. Okay. Have you ever thought about living for a long period of time in a small RV? A I've thought trip? about it a lot because if I wasn't with you, that's where I'd be. Really? Because You'd be I in an RV? In a road tech. Because I can't handle a big rig like this by myself. Uh-huh. And this was a single lady. Right. And, and I, w- I fully recognize I'd have to give up a whole lot of creature comforts and a whole lot of my stuff. But I would get there. Uh-huh. So you could drive a van or a, a Super B. Mm-hmm. Well, the road truck is a very nice and luxurious for what it's sized. It's quality. Yes. And but, this person spent a whole year in one. And we've gone on caravans with people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, couples. And yeah. they traveled very comfortably alongside us. They just didn't have as many vices as we do, I think. And so I'm going to provide the link if you'd like to uh, read the article about uh, a year in my road trek. Of course, it's on the Road Trek website, but that's, uh-huh. that's okay, uh-huh. too, so, so it's probably pretty positive. Yeah, but, but anybody who's thinking yeah, about what kind of a rig to buy would give you another possibility. And, and we should also mention while we're, while we're talking about this uh, that this year at the annual industry RV, RV display show, show in that Kentucky? Thor Motor Coach won the <coughs> best vehicle of the show for their RUV recreational utility vehicle and you know we we walked into this at the Hershey RV show and we saw it and it seemed small to me but now that I see the concept it really makes a lot of sense this is a recreational utility vehicle it's about 25 feet long a class A-ish looking thing but they call it a super B but the idea is that it is a van with a, a kitchen and a bathroom and a place to sleep. And a place to sleep. So that you would use it as a SUV. It's small enough to be driven in a lot of places, but it also has the convenience of being able to live in it. And I think the person who... Of course, the lower price. Who's featured in the article. I remember when my sister was on a swim team and my folks would drive all around the state with her to meets and mm-hmm. they would have to rent motel rooms to right. stay overnight. Um, that kind of a lifestyle, if you're squaring a, a kid around who's some kind of an athlete, um, an RUV might be a nice alternative to expensive 
hotel rooms and for tailgating they might be fun. Right, right. I don't see them for long month after month no, no, trips. No, not like, like we what we're take. doing, but but as a recreational utility vehicle, yeah, yeah, you know, as, a, as as a port, as opposed to a sport utility vehicle, which is so popular in the world today. So you might want to take a look at those. Once again, the link will be on our website, but it's from Thor Motorhomes. Another um, new RVer <laughs> asked a question that I used to just ask about myself: Am I getting too old? But now I have to start thinking about: Is our RV getting too old? Yeah. And we have encountered some parks that, as part of the reservation Snobs. process, asked us what year our rig was manufactured, and the magic line seems to be ten, ten years old, which we are rapidly approaching um, because we our like rig tomorrow. Was, we, yeah, with the new year, we're, we're all too old. My body is too old, and so is my motor old. But like your body, we're lying about how old we really are. She says, "Oh, we won't have to worry because we'll just lie." <laughs> How old are you? Ah, 39. I forgot. <laughs> Jeez. I, I can kind of understand the reason behind this in that if you have been to some RV parks where two-thirds of the people who are in them are perhaps workers who who can't afford a more substantial home and the place looks kind of run down and ticky tacky and and you're trying to have an upper class yeah yeah rv well, park a snooty resort yeah. where only motorhomes of new right. vintage right. And ex- i'm surprised they don't have a minimum price and when i read the link to this article no ruvs in this park and they talked about that they quote different prices to different yes. people depending on, on the, their rig to try to get you not to come there right. if they think you're going to be the wrong kind of people <laughs> to me the issue and of course this is very hard for them to ascertain over the phone is is your rig nicely kept up yes and it could be pretty old and still be in good shape yeah but i don't think just like me old and in pretty good shape yeah (laughs) all right on to another topic I've been thinking about putting in a new head end for our sound system. Even though our rig is too old? Well, it is getting, well, it's kind of dated, mm-hmm. uh, and although it works pretty good. And I found a really cool new one that's that's doubled in, which means it's the twice double width uh, of, a car. of a car stereo. But this one is run on a, like an Android tablet, which is cool. But it has special apps that make it ready for for the motorhome. So it looks like some of the new, brand new rigs we've been into where iPads were running a lot of the Well, well, but this would features. be the Dash radio, uh-huh. this in place of a radio, so it has all the advantages and the flexibility of being able to put in new things in terms of apps, I assume, which is cool. So I'm going to put this link on, on uh, the website also. Do you have any idea what this costs? $600. Which, for a head-end, is not that expensive, in all honesty. What's a head-end? <laughs> The thing that runs the speakers. Which reminds me that we also want to link to an article <laughs> that somebody wrote, The Newbie Guide to Weird RV Jargon. Oh, yes. Because you have all your weird techie jar- jargon. And yeah. I was surprised that there were a number of terms in this RV jargon article that I didn't know myself, but once I read them, I thought they were quite clever. The stinky slinky in particular. Well, everybody knows what a toad is. Well, you're, you're going to want to look at this, yeah, friends. It, it's uh, a nice little list of RV tech, techie terms. But we've even seen people who have been really surprised mean. when we use the term basement. Uh-huh. Batwing. I didn't know the blue boy either. A dually. Everybody yeah, knows that. Jake everybody Brake. does not know that. Everybody knows that. A fiver, diesel pusher. Blind back in, which I was avoided today. Avoided today. Snowbird. Sticks and bricks? Yeah. 
Well, we know that. The tow dolly, work camping. <laughs> How about a macerator? Yeah, that, to me, that's a fairly new term. Those uh-huh. haven't been around. It's like mastication. Mastication for your sewage. How about your anode rod, which I replaced this year? Yeah, that's something you just... How about a hula skirt? I wouldn't call it that. You wouldn't? No. A reefer? So, if you're in interesting topics, if we're not. We're going to leave it. Oh, maybe you have something you'd like to add. Send if us. Oh, this would be cool. Sound like you know what you're talking about, whether you really do know whether you're talk, what you're talking about. Take a look at that article. Okay. Oh, while we're talking about the Class Bs, we should talk about in the the RUV. We should talk about the new Dometic refrigerator. It really is attractive Very, looking. All silver and shiny. Yeah, you could fix your makeup looking into your And once again, one of those products that's coming over from Europe, Europe, from the vans of Europe coming over to the United States and being uh, altered slightly for our market. But for Class Bs, it offers a chance to put in a much bigger refrigerator in a smaller space. And it had a feature where you could make your freezer bigger or smaller, depending Which on how cool. you put in the components. And you could no, change. No, you could change it on the change fly. Change your mind as you as you travel. As you travel, mm-hmm. you can make the freezer bigger or smaller. It was very thin. Very cool. And <laughs> very cool. Yes, it had various cool parts and various wet parts. We want to uh, <laughs> warn you. Is, yeah, I know, but this is true. I mean, well, this is, that makes it even more depressing. Okay. The owners were headed out to shop for groceries. One of them used the toilet before leaving, and as we all do, he or she pressed the toilet's foot pedal to flush, but this time all was not right. The pedal's spring broke. The result was that the water did not stop flowing after the pedal was released, and the valve that closes after a flush stayed open. For whatever reason, the person who used that toilet did not pay any attention. He or she joined their partner on a two-hour grocery shopping excursion, and all the while, water flowed. Soon, the black sewer tank filled and then spilled over. The contents poured into the RV and then flowed every which way into heating ducts, flooring, the insulation, everywhere that gravity sent it. What a mess. I don't even want to think about the horror the couple felt when they returned. It must have seemed like a nightmare. It was. The water damage alone did enough damage to total the RV. Of course. The sewer tank's smelly contents made a fix impossible. So what's the moral of this story? Don't, don't leave the water on. Don't use your RV toilet. <laughs> well, that any little mistake like that, when water is so insidious, and of course it has no place to go inside the RV, it just goes all over the floor. You just have to pay a lot more attention to stuff like that than you do in your stick-built house. Well, it could happen in your house, too. I mean, you hear about people who have a toilet that overflows or a sink that overflows and a, you know, on the second that floor. It doesn't total your house, though. Well, in this, it does in a similar way. You can't total your house, but you're going to have to rip out everything, yeah. just yeah. like after a flood. Uh, the annual RV 2014 uh, Buyer's Show is coming out, and it's going to be on tomorrow, the 1st of, of January, but it's going to be on th- all through January. And this is the ultimate test drive. They Families go out and, and buy a an RV while you watch. Is that where they choose between three? That yes. Program? Mm-hmm. So, and the question always the, is whether the water heater the, has enough capacity to take a shower. But this is the 2014 version, and it was made at the Hershey RV show. Oh, maybe we'll recognize somebody. Yes, well, or at least some of the RVs. And then, uh, last but not least, we have the guy with no experience had a crazy idea and then res- and built his own miniature RV. 
The trailer. The trailer. From scratch, for almost no money. And a picture of it will be on the website. For those of you with lots of ideas and no money. So now we sing the infamous song. No, we, we like our listeners. We're not going to sing. Do we get to fill our glasses once more? Well, we've pretty well polished off this bottle, I'm afraid. Do I get to burp now? You have been. You're going to have a lot of editing to do on this podcast. Okay, dear Cheers, listeners. Cheers, dear listener. Have a very prosperous 2014. We will see you next month on the radio. Happy travels. Happy travels. Bye now. Oh, we hope to see you in a campground near us, right? Yes. Ooh.